Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Well, we have, I have a form of introductory salutation that I introduce in everywhere I, I minister. And you have to, you know, indulge me on that again. Just look, look to somebody and say, peace be to you. Look to somebody and say, peace be to you. Peace to your house. And peace to all that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we will be looking at, yeah, core cultures. That's, that's, the, that's the caption for this season. But I have a message that has a lot to do with that. I have a message here captioned, Experiencing Peace in the Midst of Storms. It's a very timely message. Experiencing peace in a time of storms, in the midst of your storms. I'm going to give a definition of what storm is and then what peace is, and then we will proceed from there. From what I've written here, I say storms are a violent disturbance of the atmosphere. It's a violent disturbance of the atmosphere, and it comes with strong winds, and it's usually accompanied with rain, thunder, hail, or stone. As you all know, storms are not localized. They have a very wide geographical spread sometimes stretching to hundreds of kilometers. Have you ever wondered how storm forms? Storms usually originate from the oceans, from the seas. And what happens is when the warm air rises from the surface of of the ocean, it goes up and it begins to swell, it begins to circle. And as the air rises, it picks up momentum and it creates an area of low pressure which makes that air, that cloud, that motion to become devastating. It makes it very violent. And we know when the air starts picking up and it reaches like 120 kilometers per hour, Science begins to, to categorize it. They say storms have different categories. It becomes, it's now upgraded to become a hurricane. And you have hurricane in category one, two, three, four, five, depending on the speed. The worst of it is when you have an hurricane of category five. The speed could be as high as 350 kilometers per hour. Can you imagine that? Well, when the winds, in the midst of all these roaring winds and heavy rains, you see the storms rising, and you see the cloud, you hear the roaring of the winds. But in the midst of all this, you find that there is a place that is quiet in the storm. 
there is an area in the storm that has absolute serenity and tranquility. In that place, there's virtually no movement, no activity. And it's really calm. Science have described that area as the eye of the storm. So in every geographical storm, there is an eye. Please take note of that. We are coming to dwell on that shortly. But physically, geographically, there is no storm that lasts forever, right? Every storm has a lifespan. There's a cycle. No matter how ferocious, no matter how violent the storm is, as soon as that storm makes a landfall, it, becomes, it, it, starts, it starts to weaken. It starts to lose energy. And before long, that storm dies out. So it's a good thing for us to note that naturally, no storm lasts forever. Okay? Please take note of that. The storm originates in the sea, but it has to make a landfall. And the moment it lands, it's going to die. I'm going to tell you why that is so later on. Okay, now, for the purpose of this ministration, I'm also, also going to define what peace is. I told you the caption is experiencing peace in the midst of storms. So we know what storm is right now. And then peace, I have also to define. Now peace, I have given two, I'm going to give you two perspectives. Peace has a worldly perspective. The way the world sees peace is different from what the way the church understands peace to mean. In the world, it is assumed or it is believed, it's believed that as long as there is no hostility, as long as there is no fighting, no, no war, there is peace. It believes, the world believes that as long as there is some sort of harmony, some sort of understanding among nations, among people, there is peace. And of course, this peace can be obtained by... Diplomacy, nations negotiating, giving and taking. But in the church, peace has another meaning. I'll give you the biblical definition of peace. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you? So Jesus already has made a distinction. So Jesus himself has said there's a difference between the, world, the, way, the peace the world gives and the peace that he gives. Take note of that also. It's very important. Now the peace that Jesus gives, it runs deep, really deep. Right in our soul. The peace of Jesus is life-sustaining. 
The peace that Jesus gives is a core value of the kingdom. And by the way, peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So it is important, it's crucial that every Christian, every believer should have evidence of peace in his or her life. It's our heritage. If you don't have peace, you are being robbed. Hello? If you don't have peace, you are being what? There's robbery taking place. It's your heritage. My peace I give unto you. Not the kind the world gives. Peace does not abound in the, much, the, the level of your financial substance. Your back account cannot give you peace. In fact, it seems that the more money you have, the more trouble you have. Because you have to manage it anyways. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so much for the definition. But you know what? I have a guy in the Bible who lived many years ago. He gave a definition of peace or life in this world. I know you are all intelligent people. You are going to guess who this is. He said, man who is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Who said that? Job said that. He said that because of what he had suffered. His experience or his experiences in life had no doubt influenced the way he sees life. So when you read Job saying, a man has few days here and all his days is full of trouble, I beg to differ. Please tell somebody I am not full of trouble. I am full of grace in the name of Jesus. But I have to give brother Job his dues. He suffered a lot. I mean, I don't know what could prepare a man to lose everything he has gotten in this life in one day. He was so wealthy, but he lost everything in one day. I don't envy Brother Job because uh, God was placing a bet on him. <laughs> Father, please don't put a bet on me. <laughs> I don't know who, how many of you and us, you know, how many of you here, will be able to survive the kind of things that Job went through. And I say, outside Jesus, outside Jesus, the only other person who had suffered so much is Job. We just see just a fraction of what Job saw. Maybe just a job that was lost. And then we threatened, we, we, we tend to go under. A fraction It is well with Job. Job is, is the saint of God. It is well with him in the name of Jesus. Now, the storms we're talking about 
it's not discriminatory. It, it, the, the storms of life, it, it happens to everybody. Everyone. Regardless of your age, regardless of your sex, regardless of your race, there's one form of storm or the other that is plaguing, that is rising, that is waging against you. There is, obviously. People don't come to tell you what it is that people are hurting. People are hurting. So the storms do not discriminate. Do you agree with that? But in the midst of all this, God has given us a promise. He said, regardless of what we go through, regardless of what we are experiencing, that he's going to give us his perfect peace and that we are going to dwell in safety. That's the journey we are going right now. We are going to see that. Because the, the caption of this message is experiencing peace in the midst of of your storms. We are going to be looking at a couple of scriptures, and I trust that the Holy Spirit will create a pathway for us to see our way out of the storms that we are facing. And I believe at the end of today, by the end of this ministration, everyone will be ministered to in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we come to you right now we surrender our will to you. We ask, O oh God, that you minister to every soul here. We have come over the open heavens. We have come unto Mount Zion. We have come unto the company of an innumerable angels. We have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And we have come unto the blood of sprinkling. Father, Today, I ask, in the name of Jesus, I pray that yokes will be destroyed. I pray that the snare of the enemy will be broken. I pray, Father, today, as the ministration goes forth, every wickedness of the wicked will come to an end. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come do your thing. Come touch us. Bless us, lift us, and let God be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Okay, just to help you identify, just, I want to take your mind through some characters in the Bible, and we begin to see, right from Joseph, right down to Abraham, to Samson, to David, all the way to Jeremiah, to Paul, even Jesus, they all had their experiences of storms. Joseph was sent to prison for no just cause. He was trying to live right. He had a fear of God. And Potiphar's wife lied. And that got him in prison. But the Bible says even then, God was with him in prison, right? And he prospered even in prison. 
Abraham's wife was forcibly taken from him. Can you imagine your wife taking, just being ripped away from you? Forcibly taken by a king. That was a storm in the life of Abraham. I can't imagine what Abraham had felt during this period. Amen. But God restored his wife. About Samson. Delilah was his storm. Storm, is, storm comes in different shades and colors. It comes in different forms. Delilah was Samson's storm. The parents warned him. They told him, you are a Nazarene from Beth. You are not to go this, do this, or do that. You are not to do this, Samson. But he thought he was a big boy. And he could do whatever he liked. Anyways, he paid a steep price. He got his eyes gouged out. He was captured, held in captivity. But at the end of the day, God had his way. Praise the Lord. David had storms. Several ones. And the one that came close to home was his own son, Absalom. Can you imagine? His third son rebelled against him and almost cost him the throne. Well, God saved David. And his throne was restored. Paul, he was giving his testimony. He said they stoned him once. They whipped him with rods three times. He suffered shipwreck how many times? Four times. Or three times. He, he suffered shipwreck. He was living on the edge. Paul was a man living on the edge. But at the end of the day, he triumphed. Amen? Oh my. What about, our, what about our Lord Jesus Christ? Was he exempted? Did Jesus have storms? Are you sure? Jesus had his own storms. In John chapter 6, sometimes I want to cry when I read Jesus' question. John chapter 6 recorded one of the most heart-wrenching questions that you can ever read in the Bible. Heart-wrenching. Imagine a man, the son of God, whose whole purpose in his head is to do ministry. Not to be a businessman. To do ministry. He gathered people. He gathered, and he poured himself on them. Nurtured them. Spending every day, every hour, every minute with them. And he got to a point. He thought they were on the same page. He was ministering. He said, except you drink my blood, you eat my flesh, you will have none of me, you have no life in you. And they said, what? Eat your flesh? Drink your blood? <laughs> he said, this is a hard saying. And you know what happened? The Bible says, and they walked with him no more. Many of his disciples deserted Jesus 
as a minister, how would you feel? You built a church and it's growing. And they go, everywhere is bubbling. The whole congregation, everyone is happy. And suddenly you say something and you say, Pastor, you are now on your own. It's a heartbreak. Say, and they walked with him no more. And Jesus turned to the twelve. And he said, will you also go away? Can you imagine? Will you also go away? I mean, that was a heart cry. Jesus was already bleeding in the heart. That was painful. Will you also go away? Down to 12. 12. They didn't, we don't know exactly how many disciples walked away, but the Bible says they were now down to 12. So will you also go away? But I thank God for Peter. Peter said in John chapter 6, verse 6 to 7. He said, but Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's all. That's the whole story. If you can come to that understanding, then the, the work of Jesus is done. He has communicated. We believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's it. That's all it requires for you to get born again. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That God sent him here to die for you and I. Right? And Peter confessed it and said, that is it. Who else has the word of life? Whom shall we go to? And from that scripture, I got this understanding. Serving God has a zero option. There's no plan B. Hello? Tell somebody there's no plan B. No, please. I just tell somebody, serving God has no plan B. <laughs> there's no backup plan. I've heard people saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. But serving God means putting all your eggs, your life, your spirit, your soul, your household, Everything you have in the basket of God. All of it. There's no plan B. Peter said, to whom shall we go? Where else? Who else can deliver you? Who else can redeem you? Who else can open the prison door? Who else can break that yoke? Who else? None, there's no one else except Jesus, the Son of the living God. So better make up your mind and burn the bridges. Eh? Burn the bridges, set fire on them. 
There is no plan B. Tell somebody there is no plan B. This is very important. No plan. There is no plan B. After all, Jesus said, anyone that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. My interpretation of that scripture is, there is no plan B. Please record this somewhere. There is no plan B. All your eggs are in God's basket. Your family, your household, your business, everyone is in the basket of God. So, okay, I'll just use the next couple of minutes to just give you one thing you can do. To get out of your storm. Amen? Psalm 46, 1 to 3. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth is removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. In every trouble you have had to face in life, for every storm that has come against you, for every crisis, anything unpleasant that you have experienced in life, I am here to tell you that God is present. Look at that scripture. A very present help in trouble. So when and wherever there is trouble, God is present. You are not alone in that trouble. Can you imagine what happened? You remember the Shadrach brothers? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? King Nebuchadnezzar threw them in, 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 a, in a fiery furnace. They heated up fire and heaped them inside the fire. Why? Because they refused to bow to the God, to the image that the king has built. And they expected them to die. But what happened? Daniel 3, 24. The Bible says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He said, Look, Look, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hot. And the form of the third on the fourth one is like the Son of God.
Jesus was in the fire. Who opened the eyes of an Eden king? An unbelieving king? How did he get that revelation? God opened his eyes so that he could gain glory over the king. For that crisis, for that storm, God wants to gain glory. And he will gain glory in the name of Jesus. The fire will not burn you. He said, when you pass through the fires, it will not burn you. When you go through the waters, they will not flood you. When you pass through the river, you will not be drowned. Why? Because I will be with you. You remember the story of the Israelites? They were escaping from Egypt. They were going. And they came to a roadblock. They, they, they came right to the Red Sea. No way out. And suddenly Pharaoh set out and said, let's pursue these people. Let's recall. Let's recapture them. Let's kill them. Let's destroy them. And they pursued. As soon as the Israelites saw the, 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 the Egyptian army coming, they panicked. Oh, they were so afraid. They lost it completely. They even started rebelling against um, Moses. But I want you to see something here. We are going to pray shortly. I want you to see something here. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1 to 4. He said, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and come before Piharot, between Migdol and the sea, opposite Bersephoth. You shall come before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. Question, church. Are you with me? I have a question for you. Who put the children of Israel where they were? Who put them there? They came to a dead end. Who put them there? How did they get there? Who led them there? Of course, it was God who did. Hello? God led them there to a dead end. Now the question is, did God lead them there so he could kill them? My admonition to you today, stop beating yourself for every situation you find yourself. Stop taking the, the blame for that fall. Did you hear what I said? Stop beating yourself 
don't know the whole story. Only God sees the big picture. We see only in parts. But he's working it out. God is working it out. What did I say? God is working it out. Walk in the revelation of what you can see. And give him thanks for everything. Now, all that God required from the children of Israel at that point is, obey me. Obey me. Trust and obey me. Is that too much to ask? Trust and obey me. In all the crisis, in all the trouble, all God requires from you is for you to trust and obey him. And definitely, God will not fail you. God will not fail you in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, as we rise, please rise to your feet. If for all that we have said today, if the only thing you can remember is that the storm has an eye. And that eye of the storm is the presence of God. In every trouble, God is present. You have to find God in your trouble. You have to find God in your trouble. And then you take refuge. And all will be well with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. I don't know what, God knows what everyone here is going through. No one is exempt from the storms of life. But at least you remember that God has promised us rest. God has said he will keep us in his perfect peace. And there is no storm that is designed to kill you. I want you to tune your mind, tune your spirit right now to heaven. The only people that can live on this earth triumphantly are actually believers. The storms of life are designed to kill the unbelievers, I'm telling you. The devil is a thief. And the Bible says the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But not with us. We have a shield. We have a cover. We have a protection. And if you are not a believer, you are living a risky life. This is an opportunity. The God of heaven who has promised us peace is here to embrace you today. That peace that money cannot buy you that marriage cannot buy you except the Prince of Peace. 
is here to meet with you today. Do you know why the believers cannot fear death? Do you know why we, don't, we are not afraid to die? A Christian is never afraid to die. Do you know why? Because your future is setting. Yeah. Your future is guaranteed. Do you know why the unbeliever is afraid to die? Because their future is uncertain. They perceive in their spirit man that they don't know where they are going. <laughs> they are lost. So I'd like to make, I'd like to make a call today. Two, call, two, two altar calls. The dispenser of the peace of God is right here today. He wants to calm your storm. If you have not received Christ, if you have not received him in your life before, you are not sure if you have that covenant operating in your life. Now is the time to do it. Now is the time to embrace Jesus. The Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And he wants to impart his life upon you. He wants to give you a new life and guarantee your future. And also I ask, want to ask if there's any storm raging. If there's any storm that is raging in your house, in your life. Even your marriage, whatever. Your kids. The anointing is here. The grace of God is present to release you today. Draw you into the, into the eye of the storm. Bring you into the abiding presence of the Father. He's here to draw you today. So with your eyes closed, if there's anyone here who wants to respond to that, you can do so. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.